welcome to The Piano with Harriet Stubbs. Today is my second episode and we are going to be talking about Robert Schumann. We are going to be focusing on David's Bundlertänzer, which is one of Schumann's earlier compositions. He described the time that he was writing it as the most blissful and purest days of my life. He had just gotten engaged to Clara, who he then went on to marry. Clara Weick was a prolific concert pianist and a brilliant composer. I will be guiding you through David's Bundlertanzer, German for the League of David's Dances. So who is David? He is, in fact, the David of the story of David and Goliath, where David won against the Philistines and became king, dancing to a harp. And so he comes to be one of the ghosts behind this composition. David's Bündler is 18 character pieces all based on different types of dance, such as the Landler, the Berserker, the Waltz. But unlike the traditional dances, Schumann deliciously subverts each of them, giving the piece a very unusual flavour. As we come to open it up, exposing the humanity and imagination behind this level of creativity. I hope that this music will really open your hearts to Schumann, making you curious to hear more. I will be covering Clara on a separate episode. There is so much that we can talk about and there is limited time. So I'm going to focus on this work and I hope uncover it in a meaningful way for you that sparks an interest and encourages you to go elsewhere, doing your own listening and research. I am always happy to guide you with that, should you need it. Please do reach out uh, to me with any questions that you might have. I can be reached at info at or you can direct message me. On Instagram, harriet.stubbs, Or you can leave me a voice note on WhatsApp, which I may include in the next episode, answering your question. That number is plus one six four six five two zero seven three six eight. I'd be delighted to hear from you. So how does David relate to this composition? Schumann dedicated the name David to his band of friends, calling them the League of David. Some of these friends are figments of his imagination, some manifestations of his personality, and some who we may have heard of today. I hesitate to distinguish between fictional and non-fictional, in these characters, because I am a Blake lover and so believe that all that can be imagined is real because it has been imagined. 
all of the League of David are alive and live through this music that we are still playing today, nearly 200 years later. So we are in the 19th century. Around Schumann's time, he had Frederick Chopin, Franz Liszt, Felix and Fanny Mendelssohn, Richard Wagner, and coming out of the tradition of Beethoven and Schubert, who transitioned the classical to the Romantic period, pianistically and across all of their repertoire. The 19th century really was the century of the piano. Before the television, the piano was the centrepiece of the living room. It was not only an accomplished skill, but also a way of bringing people together. Music is still vital in that way. And the more that we can do to keep it alive, the better we are to each other and to ourselves. Another aspect of the 19th century mentality post-French Revolution was movements into nationalism and an appreciation for enlightenment through a multitude of practices. Goethe, Byron, Schiller, Blake, the great mathematicians of the time, the great scientists, worked with musicians. This all-encompassing way of approaching art can really be heard in the quality of composition, as well as informing us somewhat on David's Bundlertanze. It was actually dedicated to Goethe's son, who was a student of Mendelssohn. Mendelssohn is another 19th century composer who famously wrote the Hebridean Overture and Fingal's Cave. With this in mind, I will now introduce the League of David. Frederick Chopin, a much-loved 19th century pianist and composer, Paganini, the first concert violinist, Clara Schumann, Robert's fiancée at the time, Just, and finally, Floriston and Eusebius. Floriston and Eusebius are the two members that are of Schumann's imagination and perhaps aspects of his personality. What interests me so much about this concept is the duality this marriage of two contrasting characters that so eloquently reveal the human condition. Put more simply, there is no darkness without light. Light is an absence of darkness and vice versa. This theme for me continues through William Blake's works. William Blake died the same year as Beethoven in 1827. So Schumann will have been aware of him. The Marriage of Heaven and Hell and the Songs of Innocence and Experience. Putting these countries together is such an important and interesting way of looking at it. So the creation of Floriston and Eusebius by Schumann is so clever, amusing and revealing of his intentions. Floriston can be volatile, um, brooding, excitable and impulsive. 
Eusebius is more insecure, quieter, more restrained, and perhaps a little more thoughtful. In the original publication of this work, Schumann actually wrote the letter F after a dance or the letter E after a dance, or sometimes F and E. I mean, Floriston and Eusebius wrote them. As much as this was a beautiful and exhilarating moment in Schumann's life, it was not lost on him that it would be a turbulent time when Clara's father found out about the engagement. Frederick Veik knew Schumann as he taught him the piano. Clara already had a huge career at the time, having been a child prodigy. She'd already composed her piano concerto, and a marriage to Robert was not what Frederick had in mind for his daughter. Robert wrote to Clara at the time, The dances contain many thoughts of our wedding. They originated in the most splendid state of excitement I can ever recall. I think that that's a beautiful place to listen to our first bit of music from and draw you right in. left hand there you can hear a quotation from Clara's Soiree Musicale. Robert deliberately matched the opus number of this piece to Clara's. There are other little similarities between them throughout like the constant two against three. That motif in the left hand then develops and becomes the melody. Some of the dances are the same kinds of dances so 
both have mazurkas in them, for example. David's Bündler is two books of nine dances, making 18 total. I'm going to play some excerpts from some of them and hopefully you can go away and listen to the whole thing at your own leisure. So why did Schumann create this band, this League of David? Schumann believed that the poetry of art needed to be its rightful place, that we needed no longer to be looking back, but to be looking forward. The struggle too for Schumann uh, between his potential career in law and going into music Both Robert and Clara's Opus Sixes have contrapuntal elements in both. Um, Contrapuntal basically means chattiness in music between parts, dialogue. With the added lilt of the two against three, those inner voices can be heard in such a magical way. The second piece is a landler, which I am going to play for you now. So Landler, as you have just heard, is an early precursor to the waltz. It's um, an Austrian folk dance. It has a sense of brooding that is always just under the surface, full of pathos. As with all of the dancers in this work, the rhythm is intentionally disrupting the dance that it is intended to replicate, giving so much opportunity for creativity and another way of expressing and articulating that duality so present throughout. It keeps us on edge, excited but uncertain, confused and amused, all because of the unexpected. I'm going to move us on now to an interruption from Floriston. The hands, as you'll hear, are constantly half a beat apart, creating tension and excitement and instability. (laughs) 
is some of the Tarantella playing there. This very driven triplets of three against six in D minor, which will come back in the second book. It is juxtaposed against two and five, creating that marriage of contraries, creating unrest, excitement and drive, where you can hear that juxtaposition of rhythm again, that D minor and how it's developed. Entitled Ballard, it's another nod to that all-encompassing approach to the creation of art at this time. Um, so a ballad is a poetic reference, usually to a narrative poem. There was also a ballad in Clara's Soir Musicale. Chopin famously wrote four ballads. And whilst this is a ballad as a smaller piece within a larger whole, it is still a nod to redefining the musical landscape during the 19th century with these romantic ideals. Interesting too that Robert chose 18 pieces, a multiple of six, and Clara's opus six was six, and they are both opus sixes intentionally, even though chronologically it would have been a later opus number, David's Blundertons, but because he wanted to match Clara's, he made it opus six. For those that are not familiar with opus numbers, it is a chronological listing of a composer's works and the list includes all instruments. So Opus 5 could be for a, a completely different instrument and Opus 7 will be something else. And it just is about where in their compositional journey this piece sits. This piece is considered to be Robert's engagement present to Clara. She didn't play it whilst he was alive. It was actually Brahms that was the first to perform it. Clara preferred Carnival. Um, which was written before, but 
has a later opus number and then came to love Doris Bundler later. Here is Eusebius again um, with that insecure and intimate feeling B minor and with all those lovely contrapuntal inner voices creating such warmth. We're going to listen to another excerpt from Eusebius, this beautiful, tender melody. That intimacy reminds me a little of Kinderszenen or Scenes from Childhood, which uh, you should also give a, a listen to if you haven't yet. It's very beautiful. It's Opus 15.
After a witty interlude from Floriston, we are taken into the warm embrace of B major. Schumann writes, Vi aus der Fern, meaning from a distance or as if from a distance. We have here a reprieve from the unrest and this luxurious sense of security spun across a wide pianistic range, giving the sense of well-being, being directed by the contrapuntal middle parts. I will play us out with the last three pieces so as to not interrupt your listening pleasure. During this second to last piece, we have the return of the Landler from the very beginning. But instead of remaining beneath the surface, it has its climactic and tragic conclusion that is explosive and indicative of the form that Schumann has created here. These character pieces are not programmatic and it is not so much about the music itself rapidly developing, but rather the idea that having lived in between the first and then the second Landler, we are experiencing it differently because we have lived a little bit longer. Robert and Clara experienced a lot of tragedy in their lives. And it is because of Clara's championing and Brahm and their commitment to the memory of Robert, enabling him to be eulogized in this way. There is also theme of duality there in looking back while so desperately trying to look forward as an artistic movement, yet that act of looking back and gaining perspective and gaining wisdom through it. There is a real feeling that we have grown on this journey with Schumann. And we talked last episode about Beethoven reconstructing musical architecture in the way that Shakespeare did with the English language. And Schumann here has done something radical in his use of form and ability to communicate the duality of life, structural innovation. There is that sense of completeness in the final piece with the bells ringing midnight in the bass with those seas, almost like a lullaby. I wanted to give you the gift today of something that was written in a moment in time full of exhilaration and exuberance and hope. After all, as Blake said, exuberance is beauty and energy is eternal delight. It is so exciting to get to talk to you about classical music because it takes a real effort to engage in something 
that requires patience and sometimes a certain amount of context to really appreciate. So thank you for showing up and I hope that we can continue to learn together.
thank you for coming today. Next episode, we have a very special surprise guest who I think you are going to love. Um, please follow me on Instagram at harriet.stubbs. You can email me info at harrietstubbs.com. I'm also on TikTok. Please do send me a WhatsApp voice message with any questions so that I can include you in the podcast and answer them. The number for that once again is plus one six four six five two zero seven three six eight. That's all for today. Bye and see you next time.